This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that can't quite believe it's all about to begin again. Uh, right, we're back. Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, Mr. Mark Worrell, Mr. Dean Mears, and of course the uh, the unique and individual charms of Mr. Jonathan Kidd. So there we go. In part three, uh, I'm glad to say Dean has done all the hard work for this. Um... In fact, as I say here in part three, Dean is at it again. He certainly is. He's collated this season's predictions from all of the Chelsea fancasters, which no doubt he will use to humiliate us at the end of the season when we are all completely wrong. Although I do recall I actually did quite well last season. But anyway, uh, we reveal what we think Chelsea's final league position will be, how far Chelsea will go in the Caribou and the FA Cup and the Champions League who Chelsea's top scorer and player of the year will be. And finally, we stick our colours to the mask as to what the top four and the bottom three will be. That's going to be great fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and in part four, uh, if Jonathan's shoulder's still just about managing, we've got a ton of emails, eight emails tonight, JK. We've got a bit of a kind of, you know, uh, the ones we didn't get to last time round that I've stored away and a few ones that have come in since. Funny enough, they're mainly about our 50 years of Chelsea show, which is interesting. That's cute. Now, we've had a good old bit of fun, actually. Now, um, I'm not going to say we're not going to have fun from now on, although, you know, in about a year's time, it, it could be proven that it was perhaps not as much fun. But dear old Dean, who's brilliant. I mean, I completely forgot he did this, actually, you know, when we had our season uh, review show and he came out with all of our predictions. But he's the boy's done it again. Do you want to do this bit, Dean? You give my voice a rest or do you want me to ping through it? Uh, I'm just trying to find it, but if you've got it, you can... Um... Well, I have, as as it happens, I have it in front of me. I copied it from your blog on the website. But basically, Dean set up a load of predictions, and all of us who are involved in the in the in the fan cast have uh, given him answers. And the first one is Chelsea's uh, final league position. Now, the interesting thing is that 
you know, basically we've all gone for either second or third. I've gone for second. Marco's gone for second. Alex and JK have gone for second, as has Clayton, whereas Tony, Dean, Mark, Dane, Martin and Dan have gone for third. Uh, JK, why why second for you? Um, well, I, I suppose I was just, well, I was being a bit um, um, careful because uh, I'd love to say first, because as you said earlier, we have had great acquisitions who failed miserably to play for us. I think it would be difficult for essentially having now possibly seven world-class players, but well, I don't think Chill was world-class, but he's, he's a, he's a pretty decent fit. Um, but if you imagine that if, 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 if Kante's back to his best, uh, we'd going on, going on about how he's the, he's the, uh, the only world-class player in the side. Well, if you've got him and Kovacic as possible midfielders and that spread of players with Pulisic playing out of his skin, um, you, you could end up winning it, but I didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of put all my eggs in one basket. I just thought, well, I'll say second, um, just so it gives them, gives it a bit of leeway. But uh, I, I see them challenging for it. I can't not. I just think, um, I, and I, I, I do think the the purchasing isn't over either. And I, I, I've always had this. We've t- I've talked about it quite a lot. This aspiration to do what Kenyon originally said, which was to have two top class players for every position, which is what. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern have got so that if, if you can move players around uh, um, uh, and you're not going to weaken the structure at all and as you were saying earlier because of the the, the versatility of the uh, so that's why I said second but I'd love to say first I just think that it's a new team it's slightly naive but you know he did it under Mourinho did it when he came in. So, um, um, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be first or second this year. Marco, you you like me have gone for second. Why, why, why have you chosen second? Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dean said, "Hurry up and put your bloody answers in." Yeah, no. I, in all seriousness, I, I think um, the team is going to, you know. When in a lot, there's been a lot of talk about 2004, 2005, and Marie, when Mourinho came, and there were all those big money signings at the time, um, and he he managed to get a tune out of that team straight away, and obviously they won the league, uh, but the league was a lot less competitive then. Um, you know, I think if if Frank gets a tune out of this lot and we win the league, that would be extraordinary. Um, but I think Satan's achievable. Uh, you know, so that's why I went for second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had I tried to apply a bit of logic to this because I, I I can't see us winning it. I really can't with all the will in the world, which I'd love to do because you, I cannot see us clawing back nearly thirty points on Liverpool, and I think Liverpool will be. I mean, it could go either way with Liverpool, couldn't it? They could either, you know, do a do a United and be too busy looking at their Rolex watches and be on the beach, or they'll be desperate to try and retain it. I think it'll be the latter. I think Klopp's too too good a manager to let that happen. I think City will go for the Champions League. Uh, I think they've still got issues at City. Um, so I mean, you know, we were very close to. I mean, we were technically third last year anyway, and I think that had we not fucked about in the last kind of you know we, we we dropped a lot of points that we shouldn't have dropped towards the end of the season when City were 
you know, going a bit mental and, and perhaps focusing on the Champions League. And I think we could have clawed that back and come second. And this was last season. So I, I don't think second's a big leap. I think first is a huge leap, but second is not. So that's why I went second. Dean, you went third, uh, along with Tony, Mark, Dane, uh, Martin and Dan. Yeah, I just didn't want to put any pressure on Frank Lampard because I, I really think we're going to win the league. Um, just the signings we've made. I think there's going to be such a weird season. It's not a normal pre-season. You know, Liverpool haven't strengthened. City have signed, I think, just one in Nathan Ake. Um, you know, I just think something special is going to happen. But I don't want to put pressure on Frank Lampard, so I said third. Uh, fair enough. Right, when it comes to the Cups, uh, I'll just deal with the Caribou in the FA Cup first. Um Tony, Marco, Mark and Dan think we're going to win the Caribou Cup. JK thinks we're going to be the runner-up. Clayton, Dane reckon we'll get to the semi-final. Me, Dean and Alex think it'll be the quarter-final. Martin thinks we'll get knocked out in the fourth round. Uh, for the F... Actually, we'll do, do it separately. Caribou Cup. Um, Marco, you think we're going to win it? Is that because you think we're going to win everything, basically? Because you think we're going to win the FA Cup too? <laughs> You're no, Mr. You Positive, know, I... aren't you? I do. I, I, I think... You know, it was it was great to get to the FA Cup final last season and bitterly disappointing to lose it. And I think those two domestic trophies, um, you know, Frank Frank will be looking at those and saying we're going to win those. Um, and you know, I, I think practically speaking, they are Chelsea's best route to silverware next season. So why not win them both? Um, we're going to win everything. Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, Vanarama, Champions League, Serie A. You, you, you didn't say we were going to win the Champions League. So I'll hold you far <laughs> no. on that. Um, no, no I, 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 you know, clearly there's that mentality there. We saw it last season to be a good cup side. And I, uh, Frank will be so keen to to win a trophy this season. Yeah. And those two trophies are the big opportunity. So he'll take them seriously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, JK, you, you said runners up for the uh, caribou. Oh, yeah, just because I couldn't write down. I wanted, you know, it's like saying we win it, you know, I, I'm, I just, you don't want to hex it. Yeah, absolutely. It gives me the opportunity then if they do get knocked out in the fourth round to think, well, I never thought they'd win it anyway. Yeah. Now, Dean, like me, uh, said we'd go quarter final in the Caribou. What was your thinking? Yeah, I think given you know, given what I said about pre season and you know the amount of games in a short space of time, you know, there is a competition that you could sneak out of early without people kicking up a fuss. It's going to be you know the Carabao Cup, and you know it depends on the draw. Really, you know, I mean, we went out early last year because we drew Manchester United. Mm. Um, yeah, so as soon as we draw a big team, I think it's going to be a competition. He's going to rotate a lot in. And I don't think it's going to be one that he's going to go after as such. Fair enough. Uh, 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 the uh, FA Cup, um, I'm with Marco and JK, Jesus, and Dean, full house. How about that? I didn't even know. Uh, me, Marco, JK and Dean all think that we're going to win the FA Cup and we're joined by Dane in that conclusion. Alex says runner-up. Uh, Martin and Dan say quarter-final. Tony says the fifth round. Remarkably uh, positive for Tony. Uh, Mark <laughs> Meehan says fourth round. And Clayton... Uh, who is basically the Eeyore of the Chelsea fan cast, I think. He says third round. Clayton. Well, maybe he's just trying not to hex it. I know Clayton well. Uh, we're all really positive, boys. I'll tell you why I think we're going to win the FA Cup, and I'm convinced we are. 
we were just so utterly robbed by appalling officiating, bad injury luck. It was just a disaster, that FA Cup final. Um, we were better than Arsenal. We should have won that match and won the FA Cup and in our 50th year. And I think that Frank will be desperate to turn that round. And, and we've all been watching the game long enough to know that with the FA Cup, there's always a narrative, isn't there? There's always a script waiting to be written. Uh, and then, and we, I mean, we've done it before. You know, Conte did it, uh, didn't he? You know, we we lost to Arsenal, and then we went back and we won it against Man United. So I should, in fact, I should go, I should go so far as to say that not only will we win the FA Cup this season, we'll win it against Man United. A bit of history repeating. Why not? Why do you boys think, Dean? Why do you think we're going to win it? I think it's the game that would have hurt Lampard yeah. the most last season to have lost, and you know, having the players, you know, watching Arsenal lift the trophy on the pitch, you know that. The pain of that, or that will drive him on, you know, to, to right that wrong this year, and it'll be the competition that he will he'll go after. Mm. Uh, Marco, because because you because you like to see us win, simple as that. Yeah, well, we've got we've got a fairly rich heritage with the FA Cup in in uh, in the twenty first century and and approaching it. In fact. Um, and yeah, I think just to underline what what Dean said there, Frank would have hated losing that um, game to Arsenal massively. And you know, that's the thing; he will take every defeat personally, especially in cup competitions. And he's going to punch it into those new players um, that. These these cup competitions in England mean a lot more than they do in um, their respective countries from where where the, well Germany and Brazil stroke um, France where where Silva's been playing. But you know it's like we will win those trophies. So and, it, and I think the other thing that's interesting just just to close that point off from myself is. You know, Chelsea do tend to take the FA Cup seriously, which is why in in an era when a lot of teams, you know, don't put strong enough teams out, um, I think Chelsea can't be accused of of doing that. Uh, And that would stand them in good stead to, you know, get through at least to the latter stages. Um, You know, and then it's kind of the luck of the draw, isn't it? yeah, it is so, a bit, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, JK, um, it, d- d- you deciding that we're going to win the FA Cup? Have you put the hex on that one then for us? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I, I think it comes because it comes later in the season. I think, uh, uh, as as Dean said, I think you can exit the, uh, the 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 League Cup just by playing weaker sides and playing it early, and that depends on the draw. I mean, obviously, it depends on the draw as well, but you know that Frank is going to put out the strongest side he possibly can for the FA Cup. Because he, he, it's as important. It's, it's as, it was always important for him as a player and it is impo- as, it, as, as is every trophy. But in particular, you know, remember he won the double with us and he would really like to have the opportunity of being in a position to win both trophies. Oh, yeah. He we, haven't, we haven't gone to the Champions League Well, yet, we're going to do that now. And, uh, you know... Tony, Marco, Alex, you and Dane, sorry, you, JK, say semi-final. Uh, me and Dean plus Mark, Clayton and Dan say quarter-final. Martin says round of 16. Um, my logic for the quarter-final is, is that 
you know, you, the the chances are that you're going to come up against somebody half decent. And and I think I I mean, you know, given you know what what happens if we if we play a Bayern Munich, for example, you know, they were so so far ahead of us, and even with the acquisitions that we've got. I think we'll find it. I think we'll find it. I don't think we're, as Boris likes to say uh, about Brexit, is oven ready. I don't think we're oven ready yet. I think we need a bit more, a bit more cooking time. But I think maybe next season I could see us getting as far as the semi-final and maybe even beyond if things really click. But I think it's too early next this coming season to get much beyond the quarterfinal. But uh, Dean, you did you agree with me? I mean, you, you've gone for quarterfinal. Yeah, that's you know, my sort of reasoning. You know, there's so many teams in Europe that are so more advanced in their sort of, um, how to put it, evolution as a, as a team and as a squad. You know, like you said, a year or two's time, you know, we could be in a position that, you know, semi-finals is the minimum expectation for us as a club. Mm. But the minute, you know, as you say, luck of the draw again, you know, you could get a nice little route through to the semi-finals, but... We're going to go up against a good team at some point in this competition. I mean, the, the the mitigation for that, Dean, and I think you're absolutely spot on, is that Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur, got to a final. So anything's possible. And it is a cup competition after all. So I would imagine that's perhaps why you you and Marco have gone for semi-final, JK? Um, I, I did it the same way that, that you were thinking, really, but just a, a step further with that we... We're, we I think it's also dependent on whether he, who else he buys. Um, but we won't be the finished article because Bayern was were just phenomenal, and that that to me is the uh, the yardstick, um, and that is what I, it looks to me as if they're they're aspiring to now. So this is why this season becomes even more exciting because it we're 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 back to being part of the elite, and I think that is what he's aiming to do is to win the Champions League, as well as putting in a um, you know a, 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 an effort in the Premier League. Um, to try and win it, obviously, because that goes with it. You'd have you'd have a good enough side, um, but I can't. I, I if they're there for challenging Liverpool and Man City, they're there for going far in the uh, uh, in the Champions League. Well, by definition, I think that's a very good point. Um, I would imagine much the same from you, Marco. You've gone for a semi. Yeah. Um, again, it's kind of a luck of the draw thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, we we kind of ran into Bayern Munich in in the wrong season. Um, to be playing them, you know, at, at the stage that we did. Uh, and that was the end of that. So it really is as simple as that. If we if we can navigate a path through the group stages, that means we avoid the likes of Bayern Munich in, um, you know, the round of 16, then, then we'll get, you know, we'll probably roll on and gain momentum in the competition from that. It is a cup competition after all. Now we've gone for uh, top goal scorers. I mean, but if I tell you that the only deviation was from Tony, who thinks T- uh, Tammy Abraham, and Alex, who thinks Christian Pulisic, everybody else—me, Marco, J.K., Dean, Mark, Clayton, Dane, Martin, and Dan—have all gone for Timo Werner. Um, I mean, I would imagine there's an obvious reason for that, Dean. Uh, he's going to play centre forward most times, so he's going to score the most goals. <laughs> and he's a goal, and he's a goal pig. I mean, you know, hey, who knows? It might, it might, it might be that he he, he struggles. I mean, we as I said earlier on, we've seen it before. You know, Thierry Henry at Arsenal, Drogba for us first year. It doesn't always click right, but I think you know we all like a bit of a bet, and I think that's a pretty good one. 
Player of the Year is quite interesting, actually. There's a bit of a diversity of opinion here, I'm, I'm very happy to say. Uh, me and uh, Tony, Alex, Clayton, Martin and Dan have all gone for Christian Pulisic. Marco's gone for Kai Havertz. JK's gone for Timo Werner. Uh, Dean and Mark have gone for Thiago Silva. And Dane has gone for Hakim Ziyech. Um So, I, JK, I mean, you're going for Timo Werner because you think he's going to score most goals and... Quite often they tend to get the award, don't they? Yeah, exactly. That's the reason. Exactly. He'll, he'll he'll score most goals. He'll score lots of them in uh, exciting fashion, and uh, and he'll be the focal point of the attack. That's why he'll become player yeah. of the year. Now, Marco Mar- and Dean Dean will uh, validate this because I know he tweeted it out. But Marco selected Kai Havertz as Chelsea's player of the year for this forthcoming season before we had even signed him. Marco, that's how confident you are. <laughs> Prescience. Yeah, um, I just think he's going to be a really special player for Chelsea. Um, you know, he's got all the right attributes. Uh, he can score goals. He can create goals. Um, yeah, I, I think he can be very, very quickly a complete player and playing in the positions that he does. Um Make, makes him all the more eye-catching uh, a proposition to watch. So, yeah, Kai's the man for me. I like it. Now, Dean, I'm, I'm really glad you've gone for Thiago Silva, Dean, because, as has Mark Meehan, um, and because I think we, we undercooked him a bit earlier on because I, I actually think over and above uh, Havertz and Werner and Zayec, he could be the most important signing for Chelsea this season. And it's funny, isn't it, JK? We've been doing all these 50 years shows and we've just gone through the Graham Roberts era and the difference that Graham Roberts made to Chelsea's side when he came in because he gave them some professionalism and some leadership and some organisation and some good old-fashioned gnarly experience. And Thiago Silva has this in bucket loads, 88 caps for Brazil, no less. You know, he's won it all. AC Milan, PSG. You know, he's played in decent leagues, in other words. I mean, I know that it's a one-team one league uh, in league earn but uh you know Syria Syria at is not uh, a one team league um i think he could be massive i mean i i'm i'm almost prepared to revise my decision here dean but uh, i haven't uh, i can't so i won't but you've gone to for tiago silva as your player of the year so tell us why dean's frozen in time he's frozen in time well, never mind. Oh, no, you're back. Dean? Yeah, sorry. I missed everything you said. But, um, the reason, yeah, I think we're going to do well, and we're only going to do well if we sort out what the issues are at the back. And if we do that, it's going to be because of Thiago Silva and what he brings to the brings to the team. You know, everything that we've been missing and, you know, complaining about since John Terry left, I think he's going to bring that back. And that'll be the reason that people will vote for him over the sort of the attacking flair players, which normally get them votes, because of how bad we were last year. Yeah, I think he, I think he could really make a difference there. And I mean, it's funny enough. I, I, I said this ages ago. I said, you know, we need somebody like it doesn't matter if he's old; he can still do a job. Thiago Silva, I said, or Botang, somebody like that. And lo and behold, they signed Thiago Silva. I am Mystic Chidge. Uh, right now, the old crunch time: top four and bottom three. Uh, Basically, Tony, Mark, Clayton and Martin have gone Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal in that order. I have, There's a big difference of opinion here. I've gone Liverpool, 
Chelsea, Man City, Man United. Marco and Alex and JK have gone Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal. Dean and Dan have gone Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man United. Dane, who can never make up his mind about anything, has gone Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, but he says we'll be second if we buy a goalkeeper and Arsenal. Um, so, Marco and JK gone Liverpool, Chelsea, City, Arsenal. Uh, JK, why why that way round? Well, I think the question I have to ask really is why Arsenal top, in the top four? I think he's doing okay, Arteta, and I think William will have a really good season for him. I'm a big William fan. And uh, he'll be happy because he's playing with his mate, Louise. And I think um, uh, from what they showed towards the end of the season, last season, I think they're, they'll be the best of the, uh, um, of, of the would-be top sixes. Um, so uh, I don't think Man United will make it. Uh, and I don't think um, uh, uh, Spurs, I think, have had it. So, um, well, it, unless he makes them into a kind of mirror image Mourinho side, which there'll be so much implosion because it's so anti the way they want to play Spurs. They, who have they bought? Matt Doherty? Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. And they're, yeah. Shopping well, at, they're shopping at Little, mate. We're shopping at Harrods. Yeah, but also they said so there's this big supporter hatred of Mourinho because somehow he's 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 destroying the the um, the wonderful glory, glory days philosophy of... Uh, it's of uh, Burn it all pushing, down! Push and run, which has only got them one trophy in whatever it is in fifty years. Yeah. Or as but, Dex, um, Dexie's midnight runner said wonderfully on one of the best albums we've made, "Burn it down." <laughs> That's what he's there. But, you know, he's he's um, uh, but he, you know, the fact that I disappointed me, Reno, because I've got you know fond of him for what he did for Chelsea, but his his ecstasy over getting into the uh, the, the Europa League was ridiculous, having slagged it off so often in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, that's why I think we'll um, Arsenal will 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 finish fourth. Yeah, Marco, yeah. Um, you like JK have gone for the same order. Why? Are, I think again, same question. Why Arsenal top four? Um, I think Arteta's a really shrewd coach. I think he learnt a lot um, working with Guardiola. Um, you know, clearly, I know he had Anthony Taylor to help him. Um, but, you know, he won the FA Cup. The, you know, the man knows how to win. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, think he, I think he's got a fairly clear vision about how he wants to play football. Unlike, I don't know, Solskjaer at United. Uh, I don't, you know, United are United. But if I had to choose a manager, I'd go with Arteta above... Solskjaer above sort of modern day Mourinho. Um, I think as I think Everton are going to be quite interesting actually this season because they brought some interesting players um, and Carlo's a, a quality manager. So they they could be they could be quite and interesting. They, they, bought, they bought Hammers Hammers Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't subscribe to JK's theory about Tottenham. Um, I, I actually sort of worry me a little bit, Tottenham, because it's the famous Mourinho second season now, um, when typically he gets a tune out of the team. So hopefully that'll not happen this season. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. 
A lot of expectation and only four places in to qualify for the Champions League and a couple of pots. So I, th I think um, there's going to be a lot of patience needed across various uh, teams uh, with, with loftier expectations. And I think, you know, there could be a few implosions along the way, mm. hopefully not involving our football club. Indeed. Um, the interesting thing, uh, I mean, again, you know, we were all identical apart from this. It's either Man United or uh, or, or Arsenal. I mean, I, I went for United because I just think they, they've spent so much money. They've got some good players. So, you know, irrespective of, of whether you rate Solskjaer as a coach or not, I just think that that will that will tell, and it usually does. You can do statistical analysis of this about the, the amount of money people spend tends to tally with where they end up in the league. Now, the only other one is is Dean, of course. Dean's uh, kind of gone a little bit different because we've all gone Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, and then it's either Arsenal or United. Dean has gone Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. So he's gone for Man United fourth. But why City winning and not Liverpool, Dean? Apart from the fact that I'm delighted by that. Yeah, apart from the fact I didn't want to write Liverpool's champions again. I think City was so sort of bad last year in, in challenging Liverpool for that title. And, you know, for someone like Pep, that's a bit humiliating for the amount of money that he spent. You know, that squad is still ridiculously good and they should be winning the league every year. And, you know, there's a bit of, you know, pride to restore there. You know, I don't know how much longer he's going to be at City. I think it's, you know, one final crack at, you know, the league and the Champions League. He'll want to um, claw that. Mm. That puts gap gap, and the, the squad is good enough to do that. Mm. It's not like he's got to make a massive leap in terms of his squad. You know, the squad's already there. No, that's a good point. I, I I take that. I just I think, as I said earlier on, I think it'll depend on whether Liverpool can sustain that hunger or not. But uh, good shout, very interesting stuff. Well done, people. Last one is bottom three. I'll run through this very very quickly. It doesn't really need much analysis apart from one thing, which I will bring up. But uh, Tony's gone for Leeds, Newcastle, Fulham. I've gone for West Ham, Fulham, Brighton. Marco's gone for Fulham, West Brom and Brighton. Uh, uh, so uh, Alex has gone for Fulham, Newcastle, West Ham. JK's gone for Fulham, Leeds, West Brom. I think he's gone for Leeds because he doesn't like them. Dean has gone for Fulham, West Brom and West Ham. Mark has gone for Crystal Palace, West Ham, West Brom. Clayton says it's not his problem. Uh, Dane, which I love. Dane, West Ham... West Brom, Burnley or Spurs, because Dane can not make up his mind and we all hate Spurs. Martin's gone for West Brom, Aston Villa, Fulham. Dan's gone for West Ham, Aston Villa and Fulham. So I'm all pretty... I, I have to say, the, the comment that I will make on this is I'm delighted to see that so many of us have gone for West Ham to go down. Um, I think there's logic to that as well, because they're a mess. Poor old Fulham seem to be getting the popular vote as well for people that are going down as have West Brom, because, of course, West Brom do this. They're, they're not called boing-boing baggies for nothing. And Fulham, I just don't think they've got good enough players. And I don't think Scotty Parker's necessarily up for it. No doubt we time will tell. Time will tell whether we know our onions or whether we're a bunch of idiots and losers. And Dean will be here this time next year telling us exactly that. But, Dean, well done for doing that, as always. And uh, people, that's all up on a, on a blog that's going to be published tonight on the ChelseaFanCast.com website. Now, say, Chid, that the, the Leeds-Chelsea rivalry, of course, has now been uh, recreated. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, Im how important it? that is for, for people of a certain age. And they're the team that we hate. It's not Spurs. And we can't go and, and give it to them, which is, again, just really, really sad. Now, if you thought those predictions were fun, we can do this every week because... 
we have joined a uh, fantastic Premier League uh, predictions league. So come and challenge the Chelsea fancasters and join our private predictions league at Scorgeous, S-C-O-R-E-G-E-O-U-S dot com. Now, if you know your football onions and fancy taking on me, JK, Mark Worrell, Mark Meehan and, and lots of other Chelsea fancasters, then you can join the Chelsea Fancast League. It's a unique football predicting game with a twist, a Limon twist. You can score, uh, your score can change in the blink of an eye as every goal can make or break you. Wrongly predicted goals mean minus points. So it's serious. So basically what happens is you have to, to choose the right score for every Premier League game of the weekend. So there you go. That's all you have to do. And it's it's just great fun. I, I did a bit of this last year and it's great fun. So just basically go to uh, scorgeous.com forward slash prem predictions new player dot asp the links are on my on our twitter feed and all of that and we've got a blog about it too so just check that out uh so ch- choose that link choose the fan chelsea fancast league or select chidge as the person who recommended you and sign in with your real name nicknames are not allowed and the league is open to residents of any country uh there are you know ex-players involved as well pat nevin for to name but one so we might try and get him to play in our league too uh, and uh, as I said, each week you just have to predict the scores of the 10 Premier League games. A spot-on result is what we were after for big points, but there are extra points for ace predictions, games with more than four goals, underdog bonuses, uh, and so on, so on, so on. But all the details are there where I said that link. It costs 20 quid to enter, and that's for the entire season, and you get sent the payment details once you register, and then you must pay your 20 quid, and then you can play. And obviously you need to do that before the season starts, otherwise you're stuffed. There are loads of prizes uh, the total prize fund was over 15000 last year. And every month, uh, the winner of the main league, uh, which you were also entered into, by the way, gets a bottle of Glyndivit whiskey. So that's great. I do commend it to you. As I said, from us, look, there are 22 of us in there at the moment. So a few people have got into this. But me, JK, Marco, Mark, me and, and Dane are all in there. Dean, Martin, Dan, Tony, Alex and Clayton need to pull their fingers out. Yeah, well done. It's on the list. Yes, I'm looking at you. So there you go. Now, uh, we will be back in a minute to do emails. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the uh, Chelsea Fancast with me and uh, Jonathan Kidd and uh, Dean Mears and Marco Worrell. And it's now time for emails, which I should tell you. Uh, we've stored a few up from uh, the last time uh, we were on air, and we've had a few that have come in since then. So we're playing a bit of catch up, but there's no, there's no problem with that. And the first one is from Wesley Feist, and he says, "Evening, gents. I'm writing to you about the Chelsea season as a whole. I'll be honest. I would have been more than happy with a top six finish, with everything that Frank was up against from the off. However," The team started out much better than we could have expected and played great football, raising everyone's expectations, in my humble opinion, too high. Watching the early season games again a couple of times now, I have a newborn and she sleeps well with the sound of football and in the background. There really was a stark contrast to our end of season playing style. Why that was, I still haven't been able to put my finger on. Was it the constant changing of the starting eleven, Tammy's dip in form or that the, st- the team simply reverted back to how they had played in the past. The most infuriating aspect of the season has been the hate and vitriol on Twitter toward our players and manager. As fans, like I'm sure you all agree, we are entitled to some judgment and disappointment, of course. However, in a time when the world is moving towards, towards equality, inclusion and understanding, I hate to see how our fellow fans treat our players and team. Football should bring us together... And though we won't always agree on tactics, formation, player performance, surely, we need to do better at listening to each other's opinions, as stupid as we may think they are. Lastly, I want to bring up the idea of analytics in football. Many arguments are based on numbers and figures nowadays, and herein lies the argument against Mount being a top player. However, you cannot simply quantify effort and drive, something he has loads of. Does he have, have work to do in the final third? Yes, of course. But for fellow fans to simply judge him as a substandard player in the Premier League because he doesn't have the stats that others do, it's ludicrous. How old is he again? Oh, right, 21 years old. Give the kid a break. The frank out calls by the same people is com- a complete fucking joke. Take a look at the other top managers in their second year ever doing it professionally and tell me how they how well they've done. In summary, I truly appreciate all that you do and your mostly level-headed reactions to games. Keep up the amazing work. It really is the best Chelsea podcast out there. Cheers, Wesley. Well, Wesley, thank you, my friend. I think that's an absolutely just spot on. I couldn't argue with any of that, particularly about his uh, Frank out uh, calls about uh, Mason Mount. Um, and of course, the way that the the, the, the season did change, it did it, 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 it was kind of a season of two halves in a way. So, and of course, I do agree with the fact that we are the best Chelsea podcast out there, J.K. I couldn't not disagree with that, could I? Really? <laughs> yes, but I, I can't comment on that. I feel that would be too 
egotistical to uh, well that's all right leave, leave the ego to me it's fine yeah well, well you wait it's, it's yeah you're the um the you're ego the <laughs> you're the cheese i'm merely a biscuit um except that means you're lying on top of me Ooh. Ooh. um uh um well done church that wesley well done lovely mail uh this is from uh, uh ollie wilkins hi guys and girls no girls today i'm afraid ollie. next week ollie um, next week Next week, next week. Long email. Okay, I'm warned. I'm warned. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with Chidge and JK. Ah, you're not retiring. Thank you. Not retiring anytime soon. I don't think anyone will let you. <laughs> I think we'll have your ashes or bones sitting by the mic or in the studio for the rest of the Chelsea Fancast. Hope that Dame will make sure that will happen for me. Okay, now Kepper. I was interested in what JK said about Kepper in relation to his diving, where he starts with his hands behind his back first and then dives. I think it's to do with momentum in the dive. That's my guess anyway. I still think he's a good goalkeeper. This year's not been good enough. Absolutely agree, Ollie. Thank you. Because I've been given a hard time, particularly by Russ yesterday. Got on email, on the Twitter. Bloody hell. I've got, I've got, I, th I thought I'm being told off here because um, I just said he's not good enough. He's not good enough now. So I'll just rant slightly here. He's not good enough now if we're aspiring to be um, in the Bayern Munich bracket. And they are aspiring. This is what this is about. This is aspiring to get back amongst the elite. And he is not at the moment, whether you give him the chance, it's unlikely they'll give him the chance. He is not elite. Anyway, you could, you just need to look at Neuer, who is elite. Neuer is a phenomenal goalkeeper. He just bosses everything, everybody, comes miles out of the area and uh, inspires and is brilliant that's what you need to have anyway you could sell him but that's not a good idea in my opinion because his market value is about 20 27 million we paid 70 million to take him from bilbao i don't think a loan move should be the club's first idea so i think he needs to train better and from how i play in goal i don't see why he can't do what i would try to do as a goalkeeper is only six foot six foot one i'm only six foot if i run out for a cross and jump up i can beat players that are a lot or a bit taller than me. If you just put your arms above your head, you could catch the ball. If the player's not much taller, I don't see why you can't just do that, if you see what I'm trying to explain. Well, actually, funnily enough, we've been talking about this, uh, about Dave Besant, who did exactly that all the time and came out and anticipated and cut the angle down. And he had a wonderful season, his first season with Chelsea. Um, how he dives, I think he needs to have his hands at both sides first. Yes, it would help to fill the goal, his reflexes to make a good save, command the eight or six yards of his goal. In his first season, he had 14 clean sheets in 36 games. Not the best, but not too bad, as Nick Pope has got 15 this season. This season, Kepa's got eight, but that makes me think that David, David Luiz helped as a defender last season. Yes, he did. And, and in, interesting enough, it would be interesting to have seen if Luiz had carried on playing for Chelsea, um, whether he would have had the same ratio. Because um, uh, Luis is, a, is prone to the odd dreadful error, but um, a top player. Um, so is our defence better back then or not? But if, if Kepa can't get back to about 14 or 17 clean sheets next season, you need to loan him out to hopefully make his market value up again. But we're very lucky to get back 50 million for him. If he gets his form back, then keep Kepa, as it would be good for both parties. With a better defence, we shouldn't need to worry about Kepa too much. Back to Nick Pope. I know him and Kepa have a lot of different factors. So it's not as simple as what I've said, you know, with different teams and formations and defenders in front of them. Now, a transfer I agree with in the last year, Chelsea's bought players with potential and not finished products. But with Zayic and Timo, it should be great. I love the fact you're calling him Timo, other than for 
Werner. It should be great for the team with healthy competition within our squad. It's exactly what I was saying. I'm pretty sure that we will get Kai Havertz. You're absolutely right, we have. I do think we should be buying a centre-back and a full-back. Yeah, well, we've got silver, but I think they need another centre-back and a full-back with a club of a plan for this, so I don't think we need to worry. Can you guys tell some of our fans who seem to be out of order when it comes to Mason Mount on the fifth stand app, saying he's not a good player and things like that? I'm pretty sure it's no one who's listening to the podcast anyway. We haven't seemed to have that, have we, Chid? People listening to the podcast who've been complaining about Mount. I think the... No, the, uh, we, none. We, none of, nobody, absolutely. We're all... We're, we all, it's what we see. We're not going by all these ridiculous stats of him not achieving in the last third. It's about his constant pressing, his constant uh, energy, his constant enthusiasm is so important. And it's, I mean, I've, I've loved players over the years who are enthusiastic. Uh, Mickey Thomas, Johnny Bumpstead, um, uh, um, just team uh, midfielders who are non-stop is what you like. Frank himself, you know, um, so I, I, I'm, you know, ridiculous. Um, and he'll just get better and better because he's only 21. I was listening to Fancast number 517. Thanks to the man or woman who emailed you on this episode, sent you the stuff about Liverpool and Man City managers and teams. I was going to do that too, but thanks for doing it for me. I'm sorry I can't remember your name. The teams are so... Do you remember the name, Chuj? Of um, what? For that, the, uh, um, the man or woman who emailed you on this episode about um, Liverpool and Man City managers and yes, teams. Yes, Vinod. Yeah. Vinod, Vinod, of course it was. Yeah. Vinod Iyer. And by the way, I, I used Vinod, Vinod's brilliant uh, analysis for um, uh, an article I did for Football London that absolutely just hummed. Uh, so, Vinod, I know I've already thanked you, but thank you again for that. I did I did give him, you know, a credit in the in the piece. So, you know, good stuff. it was all fair. Yeah, it was good. I remember reading that. It was excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teams are so different from the years when the managers of those teams started at the clubs. It'll take time to get to that level. You guys have said that a lot this year. I'm looking forward to the next season and your next 80 years of podcast. Oh, my God, I'll be 146. Thank you for all the amazing podcasts and for reading my email. Happy birthday, Chidge. I messaged you on Instagram, but you you say you can't use it. But I hope all of you are doing well. Love you all. Was it, was it that kind of message? Was it, Chidge? No, no, he did. I'm just rubbish on on Instagram, really, Ollie. And I kind of just leave it to Dane because he gets it, and I don't. I've got so many different social media apps, and I, I'm some of them. I just don't really understand Instagram. That's the trouble, Ollie. But we love hearing from you. It was a brilliant email, mate. And uh, yeah, brilliant, really lovely, yeah. lo- lovely thoughts. Great stuff. Yeah. Nicely thought after thought after thought. Really good points. Well yeah, done. I hope you're well, mate. Now we've got got. Uh, I, I, this is from uh, a guy called Tim Wingfield, and I for some reason I'd want to call him Tim Wingfield Digby because uh, Wingfield Digby was very famous, I think, and uh, used to live at Pimlico, funnily enough. I think he invented lawn tennis or something. Anyway, um, right. G'day. G'day to the whole team. I hope you're all well and staying safe. Uh, we are. Uh, as always, I love the pod this season, but even more so in a year that's been a real roller coaster, and it was pretty special you continued on during shutdown. So I'd love to say cheers to Chidge, Jonathan and the whole team. Thank you, Tim. It was very good of you. It was our, it was absolutely our pleasure, by the way. Uh, now, seeing as the whole pod squad is in, uh, I thought it was a perfect chance to talk about the future prospects of the team and how it's developing and how it's looking. This season, Colin Gallagher and Mark Gay have been particularly good playing in the Championship, and it got me thinking about the other youth players coming through behind Abraham and Mount and and the others and co just quickly on Tammy I think Harry Kane is the perfect example of the kind of player he can become I think that's a good point 
I've put together 11 of the best young players who have played less than 20 games for Chelsea. Would love to hear your, everyone's thoughts and where we might see them next. Will any of them stay with the first team? Uh, formation and positioning aren't specific and player age is above their name. And what he's uh, said, I have to kind of make this bigger so I can actually read it. So we've got Baxter, who's 22, Ampadu, who's 20, Gay, who's 20, Clark Salter, who's 22, Matson, who's 18, Gilmore, who's 19, McEachran, who's 19, Bate, who is 18, Gallagher, who is 20, Angerin, who's 20, and Brojar, Brojar, I can't, don't know how to pronounce his name, is 19. Uh, he says, it, but by the way, before we, we get into that, he says, enjoy the break and let's all hope next season is another great one for Chelsea. All the best, Tim. Yeah, lovely to hear from you, Tim. So, yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I'll go first, shall I, JK? Because I'm not very yeah. good at this. Uh, I haven't seen... I mean, you know, I'll, I'll go by what I've seen, all right? Uh, Ampadu, yeah. I think, is superb. I cannot understand why. He's just gone out on loan to Sheffield when, uh, United, which we all said earlier on in the show, is a good move because he'll get proper Premier League experience. Um, Chris Wilder's a really good manager and that defensively they're very organised, so he'll learn. But when you see him playing for Wales, either in defence or midfield, I can't understand why why he can't stay with the first team squad and get a game. I think he's good enough. Um, Gahey, I saw play for Swansea, and I thought he's good, but he's still a bit raw. Uh, I, I don't know how he'd do in the Premier League, but of course the only way you know is you is by playing him. And I mean, what I will say about Gay, he's one of the, the under-17-year-olds who won the uh, World Cup for England. So I think he's definitely got talent. Clark Salter also, I think the the rare bits I've seen of him, I think he looks very good. So does Matson. Um, but uh, you know, I think the the key question really is how many of them will make it through. I mean, it's impossible to say, Tim. I mean, out of the list that you've given me, um, I fear Gallagher, who I think has definitely got the ability to play at the highest level, may well get squeezed out because we've just got too many players in midfield. I think Gilmore is the man in possession and he is without doubt one of the best kids of his age I've seen play for Chelsea and I've seen a few. I think he'll make it. I'll be bereft beyond belief if Ampadu doesn't make it because I just think he's got it. He, he's a great he's a great little player and I like the look of Matson, but he needs to play some games this year if he hasn't already gone out on loan. Uh, I fear when you look at centre-backs, the fact that we've brought in by whatever his name is, Xavier and uh, uh, Malang might tell you that Chelsea are looking elsewhere for future centre-backs. So Gahey and Clark Salter might might therefore miss out. Um, I haven't seen enough of uh, McEachern. I haven't seen enough of Bate or Andron and Broher came on. I mean, you know, he's highly rated, but there's a, there's a way for him to go. Maybe there's hope for him. It's, it's so difficult to really tell, isn't it, JK? A lot can happen between... Baxter's an interesting one. Baxter has been touted as somebody who won't be let go, uh, whether this is going to be the tr truth or not, just because he can then put pressure on whoever the, uh, the goalie is going to be. Or it might be that it's Baxter, Mendy and Kepler. Uh, and Caballero, I think it's unlikely they'd have four goalkeepers. Um, but uh, he was, as an option, I read about him just being there with the first teams that so you'd have Caballero, Kepa, and Baxter as a possibility. Um, and it's a shame that the, uh, what was his name? Was it M Mason? I can't remember the chap who went off to PSG. Isn't about because I think he'd have played a lot last year. I think he made a, a wrong decision to go to PSG, but he wasn't to know, was he? 
I think um, I think the other interesting thing about what Tim's put here is you look at the ages. Apart from Baxter, who's 22, and if he's a goalie, then it doesn't really matter that he's only 22. I think the ones I'd be most worried about, really about not making it out of that list, would be Clark Salter. He's 22. And I think yeah. given where we are right now, with a mix of much more world-class players coming in and some of our younger players already established, if you're 22 and you haven't really broken through the first team, I just think it, you may have missed the boat. And I know that sounds harsh because he's only 22, but... He, he played pretty well the other day in the um, uh, in the game against Brighton. Mm. But, you know, that, was, um, well, that once again was a game against Brighton and it was pre-season. And uh, it was very strange. Um but you just wonder once again, where's Tomori? I do find that so peculiar. Well, indeed, his role at the moment. But I th- um, I- and um, Gallica, I, I think, is a is a very interesting one because to me, he's um, he's got the same energy that Mount's got. And uh, uh, as you say, Chidge Gilmore, I think, is the more kind of creative, obvious, not creative, even the kind of f- f- can play fulcrum, can play that position. Whereas Gallica is much more of a of a roaming midfield more player. box to box, uh, isn't he? Yeah, but he struck me as being really a fantastic prospect. I mean, if you, I watched the Swansea um, um, uh, semi-final, um, what you call them, games, um, pre- playoffs division. Play, there's the word. Well done. Um, and he was pretty good, Gallica. He looked, uh, he looked the real deal to me. So um, uh, I think it's 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 excellent that he's gone off on loan. I just hope, as you say. Um, that he's not squeezed out, but it, it it depends on it. May be that they then have a policy of having, uh, you know, really world class players and a, and a, and somebody who's learning, which is what Barcelona and Real Madrid and the others do, don't they? They have they get kids from the academies come in and they then assess them. It is all about assessment and how they do on, in training. If he's competing in training and he improves, which is what they've seen in him from when he was a boy, when he was little, then he's fulfilled what the academy is set up for. And we mustn't forget that they it's it's set up with these people being really top of the class and it's up to them uh, then to to bear fruit further along the line. And uh, and for me, he's he's doing all the right things. Gallica. I thought he was uh, very good last season, very good in the briefly in the uh, in the game against um against Brighton. So, and, he, and he's still uh, only I, I, 20, mate, as well. I mean, that's yeah, what I mean. He, he's got time absolutely. on his side, whereas the likes of... I mean, as I said, out of that list, only only Baxter and, and Clark Salter are 22. And I think given where we are with the defence coming through, you know, these kind of kids that they bought, that's why it doesn't bode so well for Clark Salter. Matson, on the other hand, time on his side, he's only 18. Gilmore. 18, and he is so swift, even in the yeah. Brighton game. Oh, my goodness. He has the kind of swiftness that the boy has for Bayern, what's Davies. He's got that kind of swiftness. I'm not sure he's not as skillful as Davies, but... Um, it's that unbelievable Ashley Cole speed that Matson's got that I'm so impressed by. I'll be intrigued to see whether he becomes part of the first team. It's interesting because he's a left back, isn't he? Um, uh, um, which is which is what um, uh, we now appear with. We're not if we're not selling Emerson and uh, Alonso. We've now got four left backs with Matson. Mm. So perhaps you'll go out on loan. But um, uh, but like you, I find um, the the Ampadu situation peculiar because Ampadu is completely the wonderful for uh for wales so um um there must be something going on in training that they notice that doesn't quite they don't think he's going to get a chance this year so sheffield is exactly the right club for him i think yeah, but, as yeah, you but said. this is what i also can't understand 
if they're, if they're thinking about Declan Rice, who can play either at yeah. centre back or midfield, Ampadu can play either at centre back or midfield. Yeah, well, perhaps they aren't thinking about Declan Rice. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's very true. But what I'm saying is that if if they are thinking about Declan Rice, it tells you that they think that there's a, a gap to be filled there. So therefore, why aren't they using Ampadu to fill that gap? But anyway. We're not at the club, so what do we know? Uh, right, we've got one of these weird Instagram-type thingies, JK, from Robbie Dubisky. Left yeah, to right, as always. Left to right. Hello, Chidge, JK, and the King. Hope you're all doing well when you read this. Uh, I'm writing this message from the Pulisic-bearing mothership known as the United States of America, <laughs> where irony reigns and warriors, 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 right across the <laughs> land on eagles, on eagles. I love that, the eagle image, great. I've been listening to your show since around May as a way of getting through. May? May? Where have you been, yeah. Rob? Where's he been? I've very much enjoyed this newfound escape from the humdrum of work. I generally look forward to match reviews, previews and transfer stories alike that you all offer on Monday recordings. So is this my first contact is the next bit, is it? Uh, then you go to my first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. My first contact with Chelsea came about 11 years ago. In the winter of 2009, my father went on a business trip to London and his host brought him to a Chelsea match against Fulham at the bridge. Chelsea won the contest 2-1. Afterwards, my dad was hanging out in a suite or press box. I'm not sure what you Brits call those swanky things. Um, Where Jonathan uh, sits. Yeah, hospitality area, yeah. When Didier Drogba himself came to meet my father and his mothers that were there. Oh, it was a kind of swanky package. My, I've never met. Well, who is it? We get Johnny Hollins comes in. West and, Stand, and, uh, and, West Stand. And West Stand. He's in the West Stand. And Canners comes in to see us, which I love. And Bobby Determinley came in. And my father returned with a signed Didier Drogba picture address. Dear Robbie, best wishes, Didier Drogba. Thus, my fandom for Chelsea FC was born. I didn't fall in love with the club until I witnessed Drogba and Elka in Co's drubbing of Wigan to win the league that year. Yeah, God, and Elka was a good player. Drogba on the corner flag guitar and Elka on the air drums. Chelsea delivered one moment of many I'll never forget. Um, since then, I've watched Chelsea religiously. From that age, I was 10, mind you. I've been a bona fide armchair fan. Believe me, I would love to have seen Denver Barr's goal against PSG to send us through in 13 14 in person he had a telescopic leg um didn't he Chidge? it was um, nuts i was i remember that game very well and absolutely loopy. he had the ability to go to poke his foot in Denver mm. Bar. this leg it was like alien leg came out or to be able to watch john terry score uh, an offside back heel against everton uh, and proceed to jump into the fans after securing a draw. What a legend. However, I'm resigned to accept my status as an American armchair fan. It's my dream to one day sit in Stamford Bridge and watch my beloved club. Um, as an American, this season has obviously brought even more joy as my compatriot and blood brother Pulisic ran riot for the Chelsea. However, Pulisic's brilliance aside, and he was brilliant indeed, absolutely, there was something special about this season. Being 21, I'm roughly the same age as all of these academy players. As a result, I feel like I love these guys, like they're my brothers. Um, I'm not sure if it's just me, but there seems to be a real likability about this Chelsea team we arguably haven't seen for a while. 
through all the ups and downs this season, I've generally been excited about each game we've played. My question is this, do you guys feel this sense of life of likability? I really do feel like something very special is happening at Stamford Bridge. What with all the academy talent coming through, along with new signings like Werner, Zayic, and possibly Chilwell Havertz. Yes, it's happened. Yes, Robbie. Yes, not possibly they've happened. I can't so well prophesied. I can't wait for next season. I'm excited for what's to come, both on the field and on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for the positive light, the time of darkness. Hope to one day see you all on a cold winter night in the bridge. Best wishes and up the shelves, Robbie. Well done, mate. Fantastic. Lovely to hear you're you're uh, listening to us and um and you've been supporting the club since for eleven years. Great stuff. And so uh, you know, yeah. I, I feel your pain, Robbie. I really do. It it must be so difficult. You know, I mean, I, I hope, you know, I hope we never come across as, as smug about the fact that we get to go, you know, to games all the time uh, and have done for a long time. I mean, we, we, I really hope we don't come across like that because we're not at all. We we absolutely, we were saying, I think, earlier on, certainly, you know, in the fact that we can't go there at the moment at all, you know, that we understand totally how lucky we are and what a privilege it is. And this is why it hurts so much that we can't go and, and actually... Uh- we're all we're all armchair fans at the moment, aren't we, J.K.? We are, we are. But I also think it's a phenomenal thing to make a decision to become a a, a fan of a, a club in another country. And I think the fact that you can watch them because of technology via um, TV is just wonderful. I think the fact that you've made that decision is just um, is brilliant because well, it's the kind of thing I'd love to have done when I was Liverpool too. But you know, we didn't know it. We didn't have access to it, so we didn't know anything about foreign teams. We were we were completely insular. Mm-hmm. But now you've got this opportunity. You can, you know, I like I like following certain teams in uh, uh, watching baseball and watching American football. I like sport. So uh, um, uh, it, it, to actually then get involved in the club, I think is a is is a brilliant thing to be doing. And I, I know great kudos to you. You know. But I think, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, the likes of Beth Wilde, who used to be the, you know, the lead person at the Chelsea in America, our old mate Michael Roban from L.A., they found Chelsea as Americans in the 80s because they happened to be here and they went to a game and then they tried to follow them back there and they couldn't because there was no coverage at all, you know. So, but no, nobody would sit there and accuse them of being fake fans. So, you know, there's a lot of bunkum talked about this. There really, really is. I mean, you know, I, I didn't find Chelsea... You know, I, I look up to people like JK and Marco and the rest. Well, actually, Marco's not, not, not necessarily the case, but Dan Silver and uh, Dean, who who are, you know, second, third, fourth generation Chelsea fans or whatever. You know, they were born into it. I had to find it too. So it doesn't matter how you find it, as long as you get it when you find it. And I think you do, Rob. So there you go. Uh, right, uh, our old mate Adam Valchak, or Valky to his mates. I do like a bit of Valky. He's a top, top lad. He does this, uh, um, I can't remember the bloody name of the site now, the left, left-footed left something. It's, it's a brilliant website of Chelsea badges. He collects badges. He's a brilliant lad. Anyway, he says, uh, I've been enjoying the 50 years look back and uh, you are entering territory that means a lot to me. The period I first started going and what, win, lose or draw, I was always going to bat the blues. I was in the shed against Borough and at the end of the game thought the pitch invasion was to commiserate with our players. There were even fans tearing up parts of the pitch. Being only 10, I thought this was to steal a souvenir. They ended up being used as missiles to throw into the away end. JK is right to recall that this was a lurid time for football. Uh, Have a look at this lineup against Borough. Explain how this team managed to get relegated. See below. 
I went to dinner with John Hollins about four years ago at the bridge, sadly only half full, and when I asked the question in the kindest way possible, he did not answer properly and instead waffled on for about five minutes. <laughs> yep, that sounds like dear John. Lovely guy, though. Keep up the hard work, Adam Valky-Velchek. Now, the lineup, as jo- Jonathan and I, we were talking, this is, this is the, the 88... Uh, 87 88 season where we got relegated through a playoff by losing um away to Middlesbrough 2 0 and then beating them 1 0 at home. At which point there was a, a riot basically, a lot of Chelsea fans well, basically, Middlesbrough fans invaded the pitch from the north bank uh, or the north end and uh and then we didn't like it, so we broke out the shed end and ran towards them. I, I, I say we, I wasn't there, but uh, Jonathan was obviously leading the charge, as you can imagine, from the east upper. Anyway, um, the team lineup was Kevin Hitchcock in goal, Stevie Clark in Colin Pate, Steve Wicks, Tony Dorigo, Johnny Bumpster, Joe McLaughlin, Pat Nevin, Kerry Dixon, Gordon Jury, Kevin Wilson. I, I agree with Valky, Jonathan. You look, and we said this, didn't we? I think oh. at the time, how on earth did a team that good go down? Oh. And of course, what was going on? Well, it was proven. Was, proven. Was going on with John Hollins, that was what was going on. Well, indeed, but they'd lost the plot basically, and they they slept walked into relegation. But you're right about how good they were, because of course the next season, pretty much the same team plus Peter Nicholas and Graham Roberts. Uh, got promoted as champions with a record number of points, 99 points or something. So, yeah, totally agree, Valky. Uh, anyway, this is uh, next email from Rollo, also known as Steve JK. Hi, Chidge and JK. I write again from Lennox Head, Australia, a marvellous beachside village in northern, northern New South Wales. I've just listened to the latest of your offerings. I haven't missed one. And my recollection of this and earlier seasons are revived as you discuss the goings on in our wondrous and inimitable, I'm certain fans of other clubs would disagree, team. The feelings you, particularly JK, Tony's frustrations with team management and selection around that time awaken many shared frustrations. I went out teaching in 1985 and living in the country, had little opportunity to see Chelsea on the TV. Our town was in a valley. Only when favourable weather conditions conspired on the right day could I watch the Big Match or whatever the latest equivalent was on the telly then. With only two channels, this was a huge imposition and hilariously, the lack of TV and particularly good radio was actually a consideration which almost stopped us heading west. The best way to stay in touch with football was a marvellous publication called British Soccer Weekly, released on a Monday in Sydney and Melbourne, which always reached my letterbox on Thursday. I was not to be disturbed upon settling down with beers and the paper. I always started with a scanning, searching for the latest Chelsea news. After two terrific seasons, as described so beautifully by you all, I was full of anticipation. This season was so confusing for me. Spackman and Bumstead with Hazard seemed such a solid and potentially brilliant combination. Why anyone would even consider trying to replace Kerry Dixon, even temporarily during injury, is beyond my understanding. Like you, Jonathan, I was a speedy fan. He could really jump and Dury was an excellent signing and became a great player. I went into this season assuming that Pates and McLaughlin would be our central defence. Imagine my surprise when Stevie Wicks returned. Where was he going to play? I liked him as a player, but really, what was going on? John Hollins was a Chelsea stalwart. I did think this had been a visionary appointment, but sadly, he was the nice guy we all thought he was and sadly lacked the people's skills to maintain harmony amongst all the stakeholders. Ernie Wally was unfortunately a Wally. Did he leave something to, did he have something to do with Crystal Palace? Anyway, back to my story. In 1988, we got all the TV stations and more radio. The famous Triple J radio became 
came Australia wide, thank God. And we received SBS, a culturally based TV broadcaster, which became known as the Soccer Broadcasting Station. Oh, happy days. Having received all my football news through a newspaper and some sparse TV coverage and a few letters from relatives in the UK, hearing your discussions in recent weeks has been remarkably similar to my recollections of those times. This to me, Remark this is to me remarkable. Perhaps not so. I've been obsessive about my team. Perhaps all this stuff just soaks in. As I've communicated to you previously, my grandfather saw our first game and I've followed obsessively since 1970. These days I can have Chelsea full on whenever I like. And guess what? Sometimes I feel like, was it Tony who spoke about getting to the point of being able to take it or leave it? There are more important things to do. That has happened to me once or twice, but I've come back to the fold if I ever left. I've also to take Chidge to, ch to task. He mentioned in the recent fan cast something or other was like Australian wines all the same. <gasps> well, this is an awful misrepresentation. And if ever you, Chidge, are in my vicinity, I will prove this with a multiple course evening <laughs> with an Australian wine to perfectly complement each course. I will, of course, have the appropriate musical accompaniment as well, also Australian with no didgeridoos, I hope. Anyway, I've shared my Chelsea experiences previously in this manner, including one that Jonathan would relate to, being chased by Chelsea in the tube on Boxing Day 1979, the day we beat Leicester with a Mickey Droy goal, and more recently at the West Ham game earlier this season. Very sad. Thanks, boys. I look forward to seeing you at the cock when this COVID thing subsides. If you're giving this away, thanks for your efforts. Cheers, Steve. Fab mail. Great, mail, yeah, Steve. great mail, all apart from taking me to task. And yeah, yeah, but I, I like that. Too, I see. I think you were you were rude about Australia. No, 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 no. It's a mis no. It's a it's a dire and appalling misrepresentation of the facts. Oh, okay. I'm gonna. T I see you, Rollo, and I raise you, and I take you back to task because a point that I was making. I may, I may, of course, have been clumsy with my language, which which is something uh. that somebody like me should not. Uh, ever be guilty of but I, I i am frequently but the point that i was making was not that australian wines are all the same the thing about australian wines of course is that they they are all very consistent and quite often consistently good because of the way that they make them unlike french wines which can be up and down like a yo-yo some some vintages are very very good others are not so good and i can tell you steve I know this for a fact because uh, when I went to Australia in 2011, I was lucky enough to not only drink a huge amount of Australian wine, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but I actually stayed in a winery uh, in uh, Victoria called Balgowney in the Yarra Valley. And this was wonderful. And in fact, me and my wife had to race there because I was desperate to get there before the cave shut. And we tasted everything and then had a four-course meal with a different Australian wine accompanying each course. And I have to say, Balgowney wine is so good. We found a, a, a British importer, and we import it to this day. But uh, their, you know, that Balgowney wine was wonderful, particularly their Viognier, which was just delicious. So I'm a great fan of Australian wine, and the point I was making is that, that they're consistently good. So if I inferred that they're all the same, and therefore just like naff stuff you get out of the supermarket then I apologise for, for misconstruing that. But no, I'm a big fan of Australian wine. I know a little bit about it, and I've been lucky enough to go there and sample it. So I think we're on the same page with that one, Steve. So there you go. Is that reasonable, Jonathan? 
Yes, yes, and I was just winding you up. I know, I know. Fan of Australian wine, Judy. I'm a fan of Australia. Period. I tell you what, mate. When we went there, Sarah and I just thought, shit. Why is it taking us half our bloody life to get out here? It's just the most amazing place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Should have should have gone there when we were younger and stayed. Weather's better. Then you wouldn't be doing the show, would you? Then Judy, no, probably. And we'd never have met. No, that's true. That's true. Um, anyway, next email is from the lovely Andy Regan, great old friend of ours, friend of the show, as they like to say. He says, hi, David and Jonathan. Uh, I hope you're both well during these strange times. Another really enjoyable season of Fancast again, despite the difficult circumstances for you. I'd promised myself I wouldn't dive down the nostalgia route, but have found the 1980s good times too difficult to resist in your additional series. Not least as those years coincided with my move from the East End luxury, sorry, Jonathan, to the Shed sing-alongs. I'm starting the 85-86 podcast, so apologies if this is uh, this info coming up is already covered. It seems, uh, it seems that the 1983-88 era is encapsulated by the rise, then crash, of John Hollins as coach manager. My dad was a big Chelsea fan, and John lived opposite my parents a few years later, so they'd chat about old games. My dad was tactful enough to keep it to the 60s and the 70s matches, but he, he wouldn't have got much change talking about the 80s with John. I dropped a note through John's door, and, surprisingly, he called back and agreed to an interview with me and Mark Meehan for the Chelsea Independent in what must have been about 1995. Couldn't imagine a certain manager, a certain manager agreeing to be quizzed today on the 15-16 collapse, but what we'd, what we'd give to see that one. Mark may know where there's a copy of the interview. I remember Mark being far politer than me when quizzing John as to the breakup of such a promising and exciting team, which certainly had defensive frailties, but was so entertaining going forwards from 83 until around 86 at least. John's view was that the team was being found out, Pat in particular proving less effective in his view. Instead of doing the obvious and finding ways to free him of midfield responsibilities and save him for counter-attacks, John wanted to turn the skillful players into midfield workhorses, my summary of his position, inspired, of course, by Ernie Wally. Didn't make much sense in the 80s to me as a fan, and no more so when we interviewed them decades or him decades later. Uh, sorry, him a decade later. I was impressed John had agreed to the interview, though. Strange to think that when Speedy was sold to Coventry, they were seen as being on the up in comparison to us. Really sad ending to that period, but as with fifteen sixteen, interesting as to why great players can down tools and or lose confidence. Anyway, have a great rest of the summer. Cheers, Andy. Interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the good point about Coventry at the time had some really good players, didn't they? And uh, and was seen as being a, um, a better proposition for Speedo to go to. And they won the cup in eighty seven, of course. Yeah, of course they did. Beating they did. Tottenham. Yeah. Oh, how we laughed. Yes. Keith Houchin, diving header, great goal. Yeah, it was. was. Ah, Happy days. Right, last one, old Bean. Uh, Chris Cassley, dear Chidge, JK and everyone else. Yep. Uh, Loved listening to the 50 Years of Chelsea series. Fantastic effort from you guys. Listening to the latest one covering the 87-88 season brought back some memories. I had to share with my I had memories I had to share with my wife on our journey back down the A1 after an end of summer trip to Yorkshire. The kids wisely had their ears in. I was nine that season, went to a fair number of games that season, including the Liverpool one. As Mark and yourselves admit, how that team went down, given the talent it had in its ranks at the time, is still a subject of debate. 
Personally, I think the writing was on the wall in previous seasons. Chelsea's defence had already developed a habit of conceding goals in key matches in both the previous two seasons. They'd been thumped by QPR and West Ham in 86. And the following season, we were bottom at Christmas before getting ourselves out of trouble. All of these happened under John Hollins. While John Hollins had lost the dressing room, um, had lost the dressing room was the appointment of made was the appointment of Ernie Wally made because he'd experienced what had happened under David Sexton as a player and was trying to make it clear who was in charge. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Kel <coughs> <excuse me. coughs> Kelvin's description of the Middlesbrough game having an air of menace around it is spot on. It, absolutely right, it did. <coughs> Sorry, I'm having a uh, a paroxysm. I stood on the shed that day to the right looking out on the pitch with my dad. I can't remember much about the game other than the crowd got more and more desperate as it went on. I do remember a mini crush building up outside the shed before the game. The build-up of fans was too much for the police and while everyone got in being stuck in the middle of it while people were pushing and jostling from the back wasn't much fun. Oh, desperate Chris. Always, I was. I wouldn't go to some games. An unfortunate foretaste of what was to come at Hillsborough, but also confirmation of how the police viewed football fans at the time. Absolutely right. Keep up the good work. Here's to being back at the bridge sometime this season, Chris Castler. Yeah, very good observations, Chris, of of, of that season. It was, um, it was, uh, it was poor, wasn't it? Poor. It was. It's interesting that, that it's really touched a nerve. Those uh, late eight, well, mid eighties to late eighties, fifty years well, I think of Chelsea. We all, we all shared it all, didn't we? Yeah. We, we, I mean, it, it was it was something that absolutely right. Kelvin's description of era menace, exactly what I felt at the time as well. Going, there was a kind of not only tension, there was a kind of oh, what's going to happen here? Because mm. you expected that kind of thing to happen all the time. And once again, it was this this almost ridiculous feeling of of this team is so good what on earth is happening here well, it's anger it's mate yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i think that's what it was brilliant emails people uh, i mean i know this has made this into a long show quite possibly a two-parter because of that but uh, we owe an honor of duty to read everybody's emails out if you're if you if you're you know take the time to email us the least we can do is to read them out and of course get them in and i would actually this season get them in for sunday because i'm going to be writing the scripts on the sunday this year because i have a lot to do on a monday so get them in if you get them in on a monday you won't get it until the next week so get them in on a sunday send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com right that i'm afraid is all we've got time for this week uh, of course we'll be back on air uh next tuesday september the 15th thanks of course to chelsea's opening game of the season being against brighton on the monday night typical uh, i'll be joined by jonathan and the smart buddies tony glover and alex churchill Oh, what fun that will be. Pause, dramatically. Uh, anyway, yeah. no, it will be, but it'll be impossible to manage, of course. But it'd be great to have them back on as a, as a double act. We don't think we've had them on as a double act for a while, so that'll be good. Uh, now, we've got a couple of 50 Years of Chelsea shows which should be up before then. The 1989-91, which we recorded last week with Kelvin Barker, and the 1991, the 1990-1991 uh, show which we're going to be recording tomorrow night with Dan Silver so hopefully I'll get those up before next week uh, and of course the Chelsea Fancast as you all know by now you should do is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify as well as other podcast distributors talking of which you can uh, also find us on and other Chelsea podcasts because believe it or not there are at least 722 Chelsea podcasts at the last count I think and uh, some of them you can find on the CFC Blues app, as they so eloquently announce here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. 
for match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Now, of course, quick plug for our Patreon page. Now, don't forget, if you like what we do, uh, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron. And uh, what that means is that you basically lob us a few dollars every month uh, to help with the cost of uh, you know running the shows. Because believe it or not, it does cost me a fair amount of money to put all this together. And uh, I like to keep doing it and that will help. So please feel free to donate whatever you want per show. Per, it's basically per month really so that's the way you do it uh and you can do that at patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash chelsea fancast uh and by the way if you're on patreon just send me a message on that's a good way to get hold of me because i do check the messages on there let me know what you want uh, any suggestions for the show or just have a chat or contribute by asking a question for example and talking of which we had a really good q a didn't we just for patreon members the other week jk yeah fabulous really fun wasn't it Oh, great. We need to do it again, Chidge. It was great. Yeah. yeah, and the great thing is um, I haven't put it up as a podcast. And I'm, I, I know I recorded it, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I think it's lovely just to do that with the Patreon people, you know, for them. You know, basically, because we had, a, I don't know, we had about eight people in there. If you want to join the Q&As on there, it were, really was fun. We had a lot of fun, a lot of giggles. Uh, got to interact with a few people who who, who bung us this uh, you know donation every month, and we had a really good Chelsea chat with them. So don't miss out next time. Make sure you join it. We try and have them at reasonable times. Maybe we'll do them at different times to accommodate different parts of the world. We're, Jonathan and I are open to that. We had so much fun. We're up for doing it again. Maybe we'll try and do one a month or something like that. Just it was great, great to see people on Zoom. It, yes, meeting. I loved it. I really loved it. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> great contact with people the other side of the world absolutely brilliant no it was lovely and some old friends too people like ash ash pinto who i've known for a long long time so it was lovely so yeah look out for that patreon people um you know we're gonna we're gonna do more regular q a's this year uh on zoom uh which if you're a patreon member you can come along to we won't be recording them so you know if you want to take part and find out what we're waffling on about then you need to do that so there we go join up um, now uh, you can follow the show on Twitter of course at Chelsea Fancast me at Stanford Chidge Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd Marco at Gate17Marco Dean at Dean Mears Clayton at Goalie59 Tony at Grocer Jack UK Martin at Martin underscore Wickham Dan at DanSilv73 uh, and uh, Mark Meehan at Eddie Mac B-A-W-A Dane at DWIT9 Alex at CFCGWLB and of course, don't forget to check out our Instagram page, which Dane looks after wonderfully, and of course our Facebook accounts, which are at Chelsea Fancast. There we go. Right, uh, okay, uh, Marco. As always, it's just such a delight having you on the show. I'm very sad that I can't see you at the moment at the store, which I would be doing every other week and getting a free copy of your wonderful When Skies Are Grey book. <laughs> but it's it, it's almost made up for the fact that I actually get to see you on the podcast regularly. I think we're seeing you on a Fifty Years coming up soon, aren't we? As well. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Look you, forward to it. You've forgotten Great what, to be on the show. Yeah. Yeah, well, lovely to see you as always. I can't remember which 50 years it is, but uh, it's all it's all on the list that I send you. But uh, good good to see you, mate. You take care. Dean, as always, great having you on the show. Thank you so much for doing your predictions. They're a lot of fun. And, of course, all your fine work on the ChelseaFanCast.com website. You are a trooper, sir. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Always the highlight of the week to, um, to be on the show. And looking forward to getting into the 50 years in the years that I'm actually alive. Yeah, we're getting close. The likes of you and Martin, your time is shortly coming. So there you go. I look forward to that too. You take care, mate. We'll see you again soon. Um, 
Jonathan Olbein, finally I come to you. Uh, how's your shoulder? Throbbing a bit, but throbbing. You know. Inevitable. You've done manfully tonight. We've done a bit of a marathon tonight, so well done for hanging on in there. No, great fun as always, Chidge. Lovely show. Brilliant fun. Great to see you. Great to be back. Can't wait till the season kicks off next week. It's going to be so much fun talking about football again properly. So uh, until then, we will love you all and leave you. And as I said, thanks to Jonathan and Marco and, and, and Dean, of course. So And of course, to you lot, particularly the Mixler crowd, who have been as wonderful and as entertaining as they always are. Thank you for listening. See you next season. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! Up the Chelsea! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.